Good morning. My name is Pastor Steve, and I want to join others who have welcomed you this morning to the house of the Lord. Uh, I am really excited today for lots of reasons, and I'll share a couple of them with you. It's been a long-term dream of mine to see this happen, and uh, I want to thank each one of you to, who has uh, supported our Christmas Project 2000. Uh, I think we're finally up to speed in this area, and uh, I really want to bless all of you and just say thanks so much for your cooperation and support of this. Uh, in a big room like this, everything is expensive, and so uh, it has been a real challenge to buy the new projector and find a company and get the screen mounted. But isn't this a lot better? I mean, you can read the thing, we can use the whole screen, and uh, I think it will really help our ability to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, to worship the Lord uh, in spirit and truth. So I'm excited today about that. Uh, Catherine, where are you? I want to invite someone forward. Come on up and... Uh, I would like uh, you to meet this young lady who has launched a new career this morning, or maybe not, I don't know. But uh, Catherine is a member of a little church, you've probably never heard of it, Lake Avenue Congregation. We've borrowed her for a few Sundays. By the way, everybody I meet at Lake was baptized here. You weren't baptized here, were you? No, I just moved oh, Okay, you just moved here, that's the reason. Anyhow, uh, Catherine, welcome to First Baptist, and I hear you had trouble this morning. Yes, uh, Ted had actually asked me to pose as a distressed motorist with my hood up on my car. You were a distressed motorist on the corner as we entered the parking garage. Yes, yep. right there. What happened? Well, I had a few people stop and ask me if I needed help. Good. Um, lots of people needed more than one assurance that I was going to be okay. And Great. The gentleman started actually looking under my car <laughs> to so make sure. I was trying to tell him, no, no, it's really okay. It's a joke. So they, <laughs> okay, so how many people stopped? Do you know? Four. Four people stopped. Asking. Four from church and four from the community. Wow. Four from church and four from the community. Okay. That's a tie. It's a friendly town. It's a friendly town. Good. Well, thanks so much for helping out. Any comments? Well, I do have one last question. Let me shake your hand. One more question. How did it feel to be stranded there? Just, I know you were playing and pretending, but how did you feel? Um, it was kind of lonely. I watched a lot of cars go by. Yeah. Um, not necessarily from here. I'm just saying in general. People on their way on Sunday morning or out with their coffee, strolling, talking to friends. Like, Hi, I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, everybody who stopped was extremely, extremely friendly. And I finally had to explain what was going on to a few of them because they really wouldn't go away. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Give a round of applause for uh, Catherine helping us out today. been a good sport, and uh, for those of you who saw the stranded motorist there and uh, offered to help, congratulations, you were good Samaritans today. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, then we're going to turn to some scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. It's good to come together in Jesus' name with the people who are followers of Jesus and worship you. Lord, we celebrate the opportunities to constantly be improving this uh, great house of worship that you've given us to update it uh, so that we can better reach this generation and reach out and communicate the love of Jesus in the 21st century. And so we celebrate the screen and we ask that uh, it might be a blessing, uh, it might be a tool for us to effectively speak the good news of Jesus Christ, to place up songs that we can sing praises to you and to worship you. And so thank you so much to each person who has given generously to make this possible. Thank you for the resources, the offering that was just given. Lord, as we gather, there are many, many things on our minds today. We ask that you help us to be disciplined in this hour, to open your word, to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And then, Lord, as we go forth, may we be the church. Thank you for this emphasis of faith in action. Thank you for how well it connects to our mission of this year. 
And we pray that you would use this, Lord. It's not so, so important how we feel about the service today. It's very important about what we do with what you say to us. So as we go forth, we uh, want to go forth, Lord, prepared to be good Samaritans, prepared to be the people you've called us to be in this community and around the world. So bless these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call, answered the phone. The guy said, I'm a pastor from Ohio, and my name is Steve Benninger. And I'm going to be in Pasadena at a conference of churches. And I'm wondering if there's anybody in your church that could put me up for two nights. He said, I just need a place to stay. I'll have a rental car. And I'm going to be in the area. And I don't have a lot of money to make this trip. So if you could find somebody to put me up for two nights, that would be helpful. So I took Steve's name and I said, I'll call you in a couple days. Well, I went home and I shared with Joyce. I said, you know, we have an extra bedroom. What do you think? Should we offer it to Steve or not? Now, help me out here. What are some excuses I could give for not offering this room to Steve? What's that? Do I know him? Never heard of him before. So I don't know him. That's a good one. He's a stranger. Another excuse. Too busy. The place is a mess. Well, Joyce keeps a great house, so I can't use that one. Nice recovery, huh? Um, what else? Might be after my job. That's right. He's, he's spying out the land. What's another excuse? It's inconvenient. Identity theft. I'm not going to be there. Yeah, there are lots of excuses I could use, and... Uh, offer in calling back to Steve. This morning I want to uh, do some review. So I hope that you've got your worship folder and inside there's a little uh, insert, kind of the map of where we're going. And I want to review. Our theme this year is what? Connect 360. Thank you. And that word and number is supposed to help us think about connecting in four different ways. What are those four ways of connection? Connect with uh, God or our Creator. What's another one? Connect with the church. What's another one? The community. And the last one is self. Connect with those four ways. God or God, our Creator, our community, our church, and our self. Now, also, that scripture, uh, that theme is based on scripture. It's based on the great commandment from Matthew chapter 22. And I'd like to, for us to say that verse together. There's a couple blanks you can fill in, and I've condensed it from this passage. But let's say that verse together. Would you say it with me? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that is the scripture that supports all we're doing. And I really want to talk today about the middle part of that, connecting with our community. How do we connect with our community? How do we love our neighbor as ourself? And probably there's no better story to go to than the Good Samaritan story that's found in Luke chapter uh, 10, beginning with verse 25. There's a Bible in front of you. I encourage you to turn to that Bible if you'd like to follow along in the Scripture. It's in the New Testament. It's on page 71, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And in this passage, uh, we have the story that's very familiar to all of us, that of the Good Samaritan. Now, before we go to the story itself, let's look at what prompted the story. 
There was an attorney or a lawyer who came to Jesus, and we're told in verse 25, he came to Jesus to test him. So one might assume it was really not a friendly encounter. This man was checking Jesus out, and he asks Jesus two questions. And I want to look at the questions before we uh, get into the story. The man asks Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a great question. Another way to put it is, how do I get to heaven? Another way to put it is, what is the road to God? Another way to put it is, how am I supposed to live? What way should I be going? And so the man asked the question to test Jesus. Jesus is a master teacher, and he asked the man a question in return. He didn't answer him, did he? And he says to the gentleman, the lawyer, well, what does the Scripture say? What does the Bible tell you is the answer to that question? And the man answers with our theme verse. We're quoting the verse from Matthew. Here it actually adds another word. But the man answers, well, the Scripture says you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and then it adds the word with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the man gives the right answer. Now, Jesus is ready and the man asks another question. The first was, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what's the greatest commandment? The man gives it. And Jesus said, you've, you've answered correctly. Go and do likewise. Go and do what the commandment says. Go love God. Go love your neighbor. But the man is an attorney. And he's not satisfied with just one answer, such a simple answer. And so he asks another question. And the scripture tells us that he asks this because he's trying to justify himself. In other words, he really wants to know, am I all right? Am I okay? Am I doing this? He wants to justify himself. And I think before we get too hard on the attorney, which preachers like to really put the lawyer down here, isn't that a question we're always asking ourselves anyhow? All of us are always asking this question of others. We're always kind of trying to justify ourselves. We're always putting ourselves forth to say, am I okay? That's really one of our hard questions. So the man trying to justify himself asks yet another question, and what is the question? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story. So when we think of the Good Samaritan story, remember the whole story takes place in response to the question, who is my neighbor? And that's in response to the man actually quoting the verse, love your neighbor as yourself, our theme verse. So we really are talking about connecting with our community this morning. And I want to um, talk to you about this verse. And I want to pick up from the story the ways in which if you and I are really willing to love our neighbors, it's going to cost us something. And I want to use the word detour today. In other words, I think that if you think about as you reach out to love neighbor, God is actually going to to cause you to take a detour from your normal plan to another plan. In fact, I think it's it's a divine detour. And so I want you to look at this story today with that sense in mind. And I think that oftentimes, for example, on the way to church today, If you stopped to help Catherine or to offer help, you had to detour from your plan. You had to add something extra to reach out and say, hey, are you all right? And such is the case always when we go on missions for God. And the other thing I want to say at the outset, I hope to say it again, is that I think God plans divine interruptions in our lives so that we can reach out and help someone. 
God plans these, and we need to be alert to them and sensitive to them. So let's, let's go back to the uh, outline here. And uh, first of all, Connect 360 requires you to be willing to detour from your agenda and plans. If you're going to do what we're talking about today, if you're going to be a good Samaritan, it will require a detour. Now, what's a detour take? Well, first of all, a detour takes a risk. A detour takes a risk. Um, who would stand up and read this scripture or just read it out loud uh, for a moment? It's, it's, again, the beginning of the story. Now, if you have your Bible, thank you, Jeanette, if you have your Bible in front of you, there are a cast of characters in this story. I'd like to identify the characters. Who are the persons in this story? There's a man. He's really unidentified. We have no clue about him. I would assume he's a Jewish man, but we can't prove that. There's robbers. There's a... Jesus is not in the story. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. So we got five people in the story. Uh, yeah, there's an innkeeper coming up. Thank you. Better add one. Now, as we read this story, there's a cast of, of characters here, and the road down from Jerusalem to Jericho is a, de- a descent of about 3,300 feet. It's a little bit like being up on Angeles Crest by Angeles Forest Highway and coming back to Pasadena. It's a long ways down. It's about 15 miles, and it's known as the Way of Blood. It was not uncommon to get mugged and robbed on this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a rough way. Now, if you had been the Good Samaritan, and if you had seen this person beside the road and stopped to help, what might have been some of the risk factor in your head? What would you have been fearful about? It's a setup. It's a trap. They got him. They're going to get me. Uh, This winter, true story, I was riding on my uh, trail up above my house in the Altadena Crest Trails, about two miles of Old fire road is now single track. I was on my mountain bike, and there's one spot, instead of going up, you drop down into a canyon, and you come back down and then ascend again. And as you come down, there's kind of a a little bit of a hill to it, and so you come over and you drop right into this where I have to make a hard ride. You can't see while you're coming down the hill. There's kind of a blind area. So I came over this little ridge and started around the corner, and there was a dead deer laying right in the trail. Never seen such before. Now, as I looked, I thought, well, somebody came up here and shot a deer. And then I looked a little more closely, and somebody had ripped its throat out. What do you think my next look was? I don't want to be here. I don't know who did this, but uh, I'm looking up because I'm in this canyon. I'm looking around. I'm making lots of noise. I'm looking for big rocks. And then I left. And just the presence of a dead deer there sort of gave me the crease because I wondered, well, who did this, and am I next? Now, there was no risk really for me, I don't think. But um, when this Samaritan stopped to help, there was a risk factor. And oftentimes there is some element of risk when we reach out to help someone else. I was reading this uh, interesting tidbit of Americana. Uh, I've never been to Telluride, Colorado, but I guess it's a great spot to ski and mountain bike and do other things. Well, back in the woolly Wild West days, if you were going to Telluride, 
what they said was, to hell you ride. And that's actually how it got its name. It's a contraction because it was so brutal. There were robbers and bad things happened to people going to that town. So they would say, to hell you ride, if you're going to tell you ride. They contracted it, thus the name. Well, going down to Jericho was kind of like that. It was a risky business. And so one of the things that's obvious in the story, if you and I want to reach out to others, uh, we say, I want to be safe. Well, you can't be safe oftentimes and follow God's will. Now, obviously, if you're driving through the desert and there's a sign up there that says, do not pick up hitchhikers, and you see a guy in an orange suit holding out his thumb, you know, that's not necessarily the time to pull over and be the Good Samaritan. Common sense prevails. We understand that, I hope. But on the other hand, I think we have to realize that when we are asked to, to love our neighbor, oftentimes there is going to be, more often than not, there's going to be risk involved. And so that's one of the detours we take. Uh, it's a detour that is involving risk. Now, let's look at another uh, detour. A detour takes personal involvement. This one's pretty obvious, but a detour will take your personal involvement. Uh, let's look at the scripture underneath this one. It says, but a Samaritan was traveling. Let me find my... It says, Jesus replied, a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Helping others requires personal involvement. The Jewish definition for neighbor was a neighbor is one nearest you. The one nearest was a neighbor. Now, I was thinking about this idea of the one nearest this week, and obviously the uh, priest and the Levite and the Samaritan were near this person. He was in trouble, and we oftentimes think of this geographically. But I was thinking about, you know, the one nearest me, oftentimes I am willing to help, but it depends on what near means. And I want to play with this word. What does it mean the neighbor is the one nearest? A couple of examples. We'll stay on the bike theme. If I'm down at the Rose Bowl, riding laps around the Rose Bowl on my bike, and I see someone stopped, bent over their bike, and maybe their wheel is off, I'm highly likely to stop and say, hey, do you need any help? Do you need a tire pumped up? Do you need an extra tube? Do you know how to change it? I'm glad to help. Why? Well, I'm, I am near them physically. We're close by. I'm riding by. But there's another kind of nearness, isn't there? They're riding a bike. I'm riding a bike. We're doing the same thing. I like people that do the same thing as I do. And so I identify with them. Now, if on the way from my house to the Rose Bowl, I'm going down Orange Grove Boulevard, and there's some guy dressed quite differently than I dress, with lots of different hair from my hair, and he's pushing a grocery cart, and it has all kinds of bags filled with cans hanging off of it, and he stopped by the road there because the wheel fell off the cart, how likely am I to stop and help? Not likely at all. Why not? Well, he's not near me. I mean, we're there together, but I don't push carts. I don't care about pushing carts. I don't know people who push carts. Are you, you see what I mean? And so oftentimes, isn't it interesting who we will stop and help and who we won't stop and help, and it does require personal involvement. Um, it's very interesting to think about this, this idea. Who is my neighbor? And there's a quote that I've put in your uh, outline that says this. 
Everyone is our neighbor, and we should not harm anyone. Jerome, about 1,600 years ago, stated that in looking at this this, uh, story of the Good Samaritan. Now, I mentioned earlier this guy called me, Steve, and he said that he wanted to uh, spend time at our house or somebody's house. And so I called him back and said, you know, my wife and I would be glad to have you come over. And uh, so he did spend some time in our house. And it leads me to the next detour here. Because a detour also takes time. It also takes time. And I have to confess to you, this is the toughest one for me. I don't mind helping people. I just don't have the time. I'm busy. And I I suspect, there's no way of knowing, and this is a fun story because you can kind of write between the lines whatever you want, but I think the priest... He had good intentions. He would have stopped. He was just too busy. He was on the way to a meeting of priests in Jericho. He was going to lead the devotional that day. He didn't want to be late, so he would have stopped. He just didn't have time. He was a good American Baptist priest. And I've so been there. Now, let's look at the Scripture here to support this one. A detour takes time. Then he put him on his own animal, it says, And he brought him to the inn and took care of him. This man not only stopped and bandaged up his wounds, put ointment on them, but he took the time to put him on his animal, take him into town, and see that he would be cared for. He had to go out of his way. He had to take time to do that. And I confess, this is uh, this is one of the challenges for me. There's a book that, if you haven't read, it's a lot of fun to read. It's called The Tipping Point. Not a Christian book by, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell, something like that. And in the book, he talks about a story, or tells a story. Uh, years ago, Princeton University professors were thinking about the Good Samaritan story, go figure. And uh, they were kind of inspired by it, and they wondered, you know, how does this really play out in real life? So they set up a test. They got the seminarians to be participants in this test, and they interviewed the seminarians as to why did you go to seminary. And, you know, some go for religious reading, lead, uh, leadings. They feel called by God to be in seminary. A lot of them were there because they wanted to do good. They wanted to help people. So they surveyed the seminarians as to why they went to seminary. And then they put them in a room and they said, we want you to read this story, Luke chapter 10, 25 and following, about the Good Samaritan. And then we're going to have you give a, a very brief exposi- uh, exposition or just extemporaneous talk on the story in a few minutes. And so the the seminarians are in one room, and uh, as they left, some of them were told, oh, you've got plenty of time, it's a little bit early, but go on over to the other building where you'll give your talk in a few minutes. Others were told as they left, one by one, oh, you're running a little late, you better hurry, don't be late. Now, on the way was a man, an actor, who had been set up to do this in the alley that they had to go through, and he was bent over with his eyes closed, coughing and wheezing and carrying on, on the ground, and the seminarians had to go by this person in order to get to the building to give their talk. A little setup. A little bit like this morning, I guess. And do you, do you know that um, they surveyed these seminarians afterwards to figure out why did some stop and why did others not stop? Did the ones who really felt called into ministry because they wanted to do good, were they more likely to stop than other people who were in seminary for other reasons? And the answer is no. They couldn't figure out any reason why some stopped and some didn't, except this. Of the seminarians, and remember, they'd all just read the story. They were on their way to talk about the story. Of all of them, the only difference in their stopping rate was this. Those who said, you know, you've got plenty of time, go on over there, 63% of them stopped to ask the man if he was okay. 
Those who were told they were running a bit late, only 10% stopped. Some of them even stepped over the man in order to get to their class to give a talk on the Good Samaritan. Amazing, isn't it? Now, it leads me to what's put in your bulletin here, and it's this. When it comes to connecting with our community and helping our neighbor, the greatest ability is availability. Availability. It takes time to help people. It takes time to be a good Samaritan. It takes time to be involved in other people's lives. And uh, if we want to be available to the Lord, he will use us. But if we're too busy, there's no way we're going to do what this man did. And let's look at one other factor. A detour takes money. A detour takes money. You know this, um, but let me emphasize it again. Uh, on this Sunday, if you're a regular here, a communion Sunday, we give, a, beyond our regular offering, we give a special offering, which is our communion fund. And that money goes to help people in need in our church and in our community. It's kind of communion fund money. Uh, let's look at the scripture that supports what this uh, good Samaritan did. It takes money. It says, The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Two denarii were about uh, two days' wage. And so that's about what he spent to take care of this man, plus whatever happened later. Margaret Thatcher said, when it comes to connecting with our community and helping our neighbor, the greatest... That's not... I just gave you that quote. Let me get down on my notes here further. Margaret Thatcher said that no one would remember the Good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. He had money as well. And the question today... Uh, that has been turning over in my mind all this week, and I put it in your notes. If you were in trouble, would you want someone like you to come by? That's a great question, isn't it? If you were in trouble, would you want someone like you to come by? Dr. Martin Luther King, we've been remembering him this week, said, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? the risk factor. But the Good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? It's a great way to look at it. Now, this morning, uh, as I conclude uh, our look at the Good Samaritan story, I want to step back and I actually want to preach the whole sermon again with a different take. If uh, one of the early church fathers were preaching today, like Origen or Jerome or uh, some of those characters from almost 2,000 years ago, they wouldn't say anything like what I've said today. And I was quite amazed to be reading some of those commentaries. What they would say, someone like Origen would say, you know, the story about the Good Samaritan is really a story about Jesus. He is the Good Samaritan. And he left heaven, Jerusalem, that perfect place, Eden, to come down to earth because folks were on the way to Jericho. Folks were out in the world, and they got robbed. They got beat up. They got hurt. They're wounded. They're lying beside the road, and they need help. Who's going to help us, humans? Jesus, who's the ultimate good Samaritan who left heaven to come to earth to help us, to bind up our wounds, to bandage us up, to put us on the animal, to take us into the inn. And the inn is the church where we are restored and brought back to health and wholeness so that we can go out and be good Samaritans to others. And this morning, uh, I've been talking about reaching out, connecting with our community, helping other people. 
It, it is perhaps possible, very possible, that you say, Steve, I, I can't help anybody. I need help. And that's fair. And this morning, I want us to, first of all, before we think about helping someone else, look to the Good Samaritan Jesus, who is our helper, who can bandage us up, who can heal us, who can come into our lives and renew us and place us in the church where we can be loved in healthy ways and become the person God intends so that we can reach out to help others. So this morning, if you're here and you're feeling like the the man that was beaten up on the road to Jericho, then I invite you to open your heart to Jesus. He is the ultimate good Samaritan who loves you, can help you, and can heal you and give you hope so that you can reach out to others. So first of all, our hearts should be open to Jesus. And as we feel his love, we're then able to go out and love others. Now I've got three questions. Our Connection 360 Challenge. And I want you to think about them in the next few minutes. The first question is, are you willing to connect with a neighbor this week? Just some way God surprises you and says, here's a possible connection you can make. Are you willing? Are you available? Secondly, are you willing to take the detour for love's sake? Because Christ loves you, you're going to love somebody else. And lastly, have you signed up for April 27th when we're all going to be able to go out into our community and bless others? It's going to be a terrific time, and I want to encourage you a week from this Sunday to be uh, two weeks, three weeks. Anyhow, the 27th to be signed up and going out to help someone. Let's watch this video. For I have received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he he comes. This is the Lord's table, and it's our tradition to uh, celebrate the Lord's table on the first of the month. And by partaking of the bread and drinking of the cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death, that Christ Jesus has died for us so that we might receive eternal life, that we might know the forgiveness of sins, and that we might know God's love fully through Jesus. So I invite you to the table. It's the Lord's table. And by partaking of it, you are worshiping the Lord, and you are proclaiming his death. It's interesting, isn't it, as I share the results of this survey from Princeton, how predictable it was, now that we know the results, to say what made a difference in people's lives. And my concern this morning is, is not that you like or dislike any particular dimension of the service. My concern is that I and you, that we go out as people who are changed and ready to be interne- in, interrupted to take detours as God directs us to take detours so that we might be Christ to someone else, so we might love our neighbor. So another way to reinforce this today, besides the message and the songs and the video, is that I want you to be out of your comfort zone a little bit. We have five communion tables set up. There's one here, there's one on each side, and there are two in the back. I would like to ask you to go a different way to communion today and to do something different. And what I would like to ask you to do is to choose one of these tables. I suppose if you're really brave, you'll come up here and partake uh, here. 
And I, there doesn't need to be any special order to this. You can come from where you are. Just go a different way to the table. And then the second thing I would like to ask is that you serve one another. Uh, Pastor Eddie, myself, the staff, the board, we're not going to be at the tables. And if you're a guest, uh, we'll be glad to serve you. Someone will be there, I assure you, to help out. But it's going to require some leadership from a few of you. But come to the table, any table. And while you're there, two, three, four, then somebody say, this is the Lord's body, which is broken for you. And uh, offer it to each person at the table. And you may partake together at that table. And then I would like for someone else to take the tray and to pass the cups around and say, this is the, the cup of the Lord. We actually have... If you're not sure what to say, I want you to look in somebody's eyes, and we actually have instructions at each table, so you can read that if you're passing the bread or the cup, and you can lead in communion those around your table. If you come to a table and it's full, they're already partaking, you may want to wait, or you may want to say, take a detour to another table and go there and partake with others. But let's worship the Lord at this time. I think it'll be a very special communion time for us, and uh, we can celebrate together. Now, if, it's, if you're not able to go to a table, we'll be glad to serve you where you're seated. Pastor Eddie will be able to do that for you. So uh, if, if you really can't go somewhere else and you need to be served at your uh, place, we'll be glad to do that as well. So is that fairly clear? We're going to break out of our zone of comfort a little bit. And uh, by the way, I forgot to mention, Steve, we had a great visit. He came and spent two nights at our house. You'll never guess where he went to school. Liberty University, Jerry Falwell School. I was way out of my comfort zone, but we had a fabulous time. He's a good pastor, pastors a large church in Ohio. He came here uh, Wednesday to see our building, and I'm sure we'll have an ongoing relationship. So sometimes, you know, God puts us with people that are very different from ourselves, and theologically, he and I are probably quite different, but we had a wonderful time uh, together and uh, learning more about each other's ministries, and I think it blessed both of us. So it's okay to get out of our comfort zones to allow God to orchestrate some things in our lives Let me pray now, and we're going to observe the Lord's table. I'll invite you to come as you're able to any one of the tables, but I really want to encourage you to go out of your way. Take a detour on your way to the table. Is that okay? Thank you very much. Let's pray. Lord, you took a detour for us. You left your splendor in heaven to come to earth to rescue us, to save us, Uh, not only to show us the way and teach us, but to literally give your life for our lives, and we thank you. And as we break this bread, we remember your your body that was broken there on the cross for us. As we drink this cup, we remember your blood which was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we say thank you. And Lord, fill us anew. I pray especially for the person who may be here really struggling, that you meet them in this hour, Lord, that they go forth knowing that you are alive, you can help them, that your resurrection power is available to us so that we can face whatever comes our way. Thank you, and bless this moment of worship in Christ's name. Amen.